Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add-ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Unitanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Welcome to this session. I'm back. We're back in the studio for another uh, another live show. We're hanging out on YouTube right now if you want to go check it out there. And my good friend Sean Sully O'Sullivan is back in the studio with me. I'm back. It feels great. It's been a while. I love having it's you back. It's good to see you. You look handsome as ever. Thank you. You really do. You got the close, the close crop beard. Mm-hmm. You look distinguished. <laughs> I appreciate that. I, I must look better than I feel. Uh, I had a birthday weekend. Several oh, yeah? birthdays to celebrate this weekend. Wow, multiple birthdays. Yeah, there was three of us celebrating birthdays. Uh, went to the Giants game on Saturday. That right was on. a great time. Um, went to a concert yesterday in your hood. Um, uh, you saw, uh, oh, the Counting Crows. I saw the Counting Crows um, with the opener, um, which I'm often embarrassed to say I'm a big fan of, Dashboard <laughs> Confessional, which is a super like early 2000s yeah. emo emo band like very emo um but i love them and so that was how they do was it good was the show good so so the uh, dashboard was good yeah um counting crows was a little kind of bland really yeah and i'm a pretty big counting crows fan yeah Um, i'm a fan as well but anyway what happened well I just feel like the the singer, the main guy, Adam, right, Adam Duritz. Call him out. <laughs> um, you know, and he writes all those great lyrics and yeah. stuff. He just, he's not a great performer. Okay. Like, he doesn't do a lot. But then on top of that, you know, and we're getting up in age, Adam hey, and settle. me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and he... He kind of skipped out on a lot of the high notes. Well, when you, you know get that? older, you you have a hard time getting to the high notes. Yeah, so. but he got some of them, but not others. And yeah. the problem with a band like that is half of the hooks in the songs are his high notes. You got to hit the the, the, uh, yeah, the post so, with that. You yeah. know, if you can't do it, don't tour yeah. or get someone to do it. So, like you know, their biggest hit—not my favorite song or anything—but a great hit, Mister Jones. That's right? the hit. That's how they bust out on the scene. He left all of the high notes to the crowd. <laughs> which was a total cop-out. Now, of course, the crowd accepted the challenge yeah. because everyone loves to sing along yep. to their favorite song. But 
it was like, you know, Mr. And then oh, just hands over the he microphone. Was already doing to the, the, the crowd participation routine. Yeah, I mean, and so I, I, I liked it. But I mean, I mean, it's a couple interesting things about the Counting Crows. First of all, when I first moved up to Berkeley back in the '90s, mid '90s, I remember I was living like a couple blocks from the Greek theaters, which is where you saw the show there, right yeah. near UC Berkeley. Great venue, yeah, amazing venue. And so uh, I remember uh, walking to the show, and this is where I thought, man, this is pretty cool up here. I just I walked up, and they just let me in, and the Counting oh. Crows were playing. They just completely let you in. Yeah, and then Adam tells his story. I don't know if he told it last night, but his parents just live right up the street at uh, you know in he North did. Berkeley, and he walks to the show. Apparently, I mean, I walk by his house, all his parents' house, all the time. I haven't had you know dinner there yet, <laughs> but it's but it looks like Adam has though because he's kind of could be yeah <laughs> yeah he did definitely and he did mention that he 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 didn't say he walked yesterday yeah um, but he did say he he walked. Uh, like for his first show ever there he walked which he thought was cool yeah um, yeah there's rumors too that he's like sober now and a lot of yeah. times which look I'm proud of people uh, you know there, there's folks in my family have had to go through that but you know as a fan of music that's you, often a problem well you he, well, well, <laughs> for, well the, he, for the like quality of the music it, well there's always the tortured artists and so yeah, when they seek yeah. re, you know refuge in like drinking alcohol but uh, it, it's I mean also I think he's yeah he suffers from a uh, a uh, a condition where he's uh, he sort of disassociates from like reality or something like that so uh, maybe that was brought I by read alcohol. that too yeah. Yeah, like he has like kind of a dissociative disorder. Yeah. Um, by the way, I've had to kill YouTube. Everybody, it's just not wasn't doing what okay. it's supposed to do. So I don't know what to do about that. Um, welcome, anyway. to the, welcome to the Adam Dirt Show. I know. <laughs> yeah, like I'm, me, my, I'm the one phoning it in. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, anyway, overall, you know, it was a good show. Yeah. Well, the venue is amazing. So, I mean, honestly, you know, you sit there and you, wherever you are, it's just fantastic. The The venue is absolutely amazing. The weather was gorgeous. Yep. It was a, it was a perfect night. And then some of the things I noticed there are going to tie into our, our show today, okay. too, uh, which is based. So here's what first of all thanks to our sponsor more beer. You can go to morebeer.com, Check them out right now. And everything that they do uh, is just wonderful. Whether you're a pro brewer or a home brewer, they've got it for you. You know, you can buy hops as a pro there. You can buy equipment as a pro there. And you home brewers, uh, you already know about the the gloriousness of more beer. So go to morebeer.com. Uh, it's been uh, 18 years, and they're still oh sponsoring gosh. this show, and uh, love them for it. So go check them out. Check out their YouTube page also. They they run their YouTube page better than I run my YouTube page, clearly. <laughs> um, but uh, still doing a lot of content over there, uh, which is like demonstrations about how to use some of their equipment. Um, uh, they do free beer Friday. Fridays, uh, all, all sorts of good stuff. So go check out our wonderful sponsor, More Beer. So yeah, literally, it wasn't even that long ago, just like a week ago, I reached out to Sully. I, I realized two things. A, I haven't seen you in a while. It's been a while. And I've buzzed you a couple times, you know, hey, do you want to have dinner? You want to do this? But we, we're, we're both busy. But I know that you love doing shows. And so I was like, well, yeah, I haven't seen Sully. It's been a while. And my first thought was, not only have I not seen Sully, I don't really know what's been happening with the 21st Amendment. Um, I know some stuff. I do promotions yep. for you guys. I know you guys just had August Fest. We had August um, Fest, our big celebration just down to, in San Leandro. Yep. Um, I know about all your beer releases uh, because I get that information. Um, the marketing team know. is doing their job. They're That's totally awesome. doing their job. Uh, <laughs> I listen to a lot of Giants games. Oh, yeah. The 21st Out brought to you by the 21st Amendment. Amazing? I remember when we started doing that, I 
thought, oh, this is priceless. This is great. Sully, the first time I heard that, I kind of lost my mind. <laughs> I think I texted you immediately. I think you did. Um, but in a good way. I mean, I was so like, it was a really proud moment for me. I've grown up as a Giants fan since I've known you. Like, I'm a late bloomer to the Bay Area. Yeah. So since I got involved with 2 and A is when I really started going to Giants games. And so to hear you guys on there, I was like, Oh, I'm listening to like Dave Fleming, the, our announcer, say the 21st out brought to you by the 21st it's, Amendment. It's crazy. I mean, um, when we first started doing that, because, you know, I've been, I mean, I'm a new Giants fan. I mean, I basically moved to the Bay Area and became a Giants fan because I opened up a pub two blocks from right, the Giants. Right, right, yeah, yeah. You know, I, was, I used to live in LA. We won't talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I just remember uh, when, when I heard that for the first time, it, it blew my mind too. I was like, wow, I knew we were going to do it. You know, I knew this was going to happen. But like when it happens and you hear these voices, these iconic voices, calling the Giants games. Yes. It, you're, you know, it's your head blows up. It's insane. It, it, to me, it's one of those, and, and we're gonna, like I said, we're going to dive into a lot of this stuff, but to me, it's one of those like, we've made it moments. <laughs> Even if maybe you don't feel that way. Yeah, to me, yeah. just the, the, I, the iconicism, is that a word? Of yeah. hearing your favorite announcers say the, the your name Well, is that's interesting cool. you should say that because everybody always says, well, don't you feel, I mean, in the, you know, Pat, do you feel successful or you feel like, you know, you got your beer like in more states and all this. I never feel that way. Right. But it's funny because there's these little touch points that happen. They're really stupid and dumb. One of them was the 21st out. You nice, know, nice. Uh, for the, I mean, that blew my mind. The other one was when we were on Virgin America and like we got the beer in the air there back when Virgin America I was remember around. that, yeah. And I, the cool, whole thing was like I wanted to take press photos down on the tarmac uh, at SFO. That yeah. was my, and once that happened, I was like, okay, this is cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that. You guys were super stoked about that. And yeah. the photos were fantastic, by it the way. It was crazy. It was like, yeah. I mean, honestly, having beer on that plane, like our brew free or die. And then we had like sneak attack one time, like a, you know, a Saison with cardamom, like on, <laughs> on an airplane. Right. Like I was like, oh, I'll have, I'll have four. <laughs> but these are cool milestones. So, so anyway, going back to it, yeah, you have like these little moments where you kind of like, uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah. So, because I mean, you know, running a business is, has this everyday challenges and you sometimes don't look in the rearview mirror because you're always looking forward or you're solving the issue in front of you at that moment. Totally. So. I, you and I have talked about this before. I, I have a major problem with that, with celebrating your successes, yeah. right? And but you have to. If you don't, then it's all just what like what's it for? Uh, because there's been plenty for you, yeah. for me, and uh, but if you just, I, I I'm definitely a. I'm a what have you done for me lately guy. That's why I talk <laughs> well, to myself. What have you done for me lately, Justin? I think you have a tattoo on your arm that says that. No, I mean, yeah. interesting, like August Fest, which we just had, which is like, you know, it's, it's essentially it's our anniversary. You know, we opened August 2nd of 2000. So we have it in August. We call it August Fest. We're very clever. And, uh, you know, when you go there and you see all those people there and all the collabs I did with other breweries and all this, I mean, that's kind of a moment because you get to, you kind of enjoy it. You're walking around, people are coming up to you. You know, I actually, it's funny because the other day, kind of along those lines, like, like looking in the rearview mirror, or somebody saying you're, you know, somebody said, well, you're like an entrepreneur, and I said, I, I don't feel that way at all. I feel uh, like I just followed a passion and a path. I didn't go to like, I mean, and and this is no slight on anybody who goes to like, let's say, business school and then you know sure. finds something and finds a widget or a service or something like that, and then goes for it and does that. Mine was the other way around. It was more like, you know, 
uh, I guess the you know the tail wagging the dog, so to speak, or maybe it's the other way around. I don't know, but uh, yeah. you know that. But the idea that you know I don't feel that way. I don't. You feel, feel more like a way. brewer than you I do. am. Yeah. I feel definitely today. I feel yeah. like a brewer. <laughs> well, and I was. I've had to. Like I said, I've wrestled with that too. I've felt more like a broadcaster. Yeah, or fucking webcaster or whatever. I have to be um, than an entrepreneur. But it turns out I've started a couple different companies you based have. around this. You know, and so yeah, I've had to wrap my head around that too. But I think it's also because I don't consider myself an expert. At being an entrepreneur, so well, it's a hard word for me. Yeah, but what yeah. is an expert at being an entrepreneur? I mean, this yeah. is this is definitely a rabbit hole a little bit. But I mean, like I've been invited to speak at entrepreneur like events, and every time I'm like, I go like, what? Well, first of all, I think I have to pay to do it, so I'm always like <laughs> suspicious right away. <laughs> yes, yeah, weird. And yeah. I'm like, I'm not gonna go do. I mean, like. Oh, we have a couple of entrepreneurs here, Justin Crosley and Sean right. O'Sullivan. Right. And, you know, this guy that's like, you know, started like an AI program for getting your nails done. <laughs> right. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. You know it I mean? doesn't feel like the same field. No. no it, you know, it's yeah. just, I, I, anyway, I think when your passion drives your direction, um, it's just what it is. I mean, it's like, yeah. you know, we, we've, you know, we started small as a little pub in San Francisco. Everybody knows the story at 5632nd Street, just two blocks from Giants Park. That's right. Remember that? Yeah. And then it just kind of like blew up. It kind of got bigger and bigger. Not blew up, but it kind of definitely was, all right, we're doing this now. Okay, we're doing this now. Okay, we're now, we're, you know, we're yeah. brewing in Cold Spring. We're selling beer on both sides of the country. All right. Now we just built this massive brewery in San Leandro. So it's like, you know, you don't really... But you did, but you did guide it that way, and I and I watched you do that, and so that's sort of what brings me to how this this topic of the show yes. came up because I was like, well, I want to know what's going on with two and A behind the scenes already, and then secondarily, I thought, who better to talk to me about the state of the industry right now mm -hmm. than Sully? Uh, because even though you're saying it sort of happened and it maybe it's, you stumbled on it, th there's truth to that. Yeah, but I also remember talking to you uh, every step of the way. I remember talking to you about your first canning line. Yeah. And you were like, Justin, cans. You'll see. <laughs> That's right, cans. And I was like, I don't know, Sully. Maybe. Yeah, but you weren't alone in that. I mean, we opened, like, we started canning in a little two-head filler, you know, yeah. in the back of the pub in San Francisco in 2006. I was there. And there was, like, 25 craft breweries in the country that were putting their beer in cans at the time. Now, there were only 2,500 craft breweries, I think, in the country sure, at the time, around 2,000, yeah. whatever it was. And so we talked a lot about, like, you know, you know the can rather than the beer inside because people didn't get it as a head scratcher now you know every single craft brewery puts their beer in cans so. of course well and and you know covid really affected that too yep. like the four the 16 ounce can format by that the way it's, you, and you'll know this better than me too again why i think it's great that you're here so i had a friend in town a mutual friend of ours mm -hmm. um, um adam from uh, denver adam and nikki were in town to celebrate oh, okay. uh, and we went to the our, our liquor store that has a bunch of cans even more cans in here at the hop grenade and it's all 16 ounce can format just everywhere he looks and adam was saying you know in colorado it's still not this big not this 16 ounce format 12 ounce has gotten bigger and bigger a lot of 12 packs out of odell's you know you name it but the way i've seen the industry here in california the 16 ounce can just became king during covid and that's yeah. not stopped I mean, I definitely agree with you on that. I mean, what's interesting is you see pockets of other parts of the country where 16-ounce cans are very popular. Like, in Massachusetts, it's huge. Okay. It's like, that's the format they want. Okay. Um, you know, and like you said, like, when um, COVID happened, you had all these breweries that, like, needed to move their beer. And so, you know, a lot of them, you know, really leaned. And then the mobile canning, you know, services just blew up. And yeah. And then, you know, some breweries 
had canning lines and kind of leaned into that or just, you know, were, you know, were just getting canning lines. So they really, that benefited them a lot. So yeah, that whole format is, and it hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. No, it's like, that's kind of what is, what it is right now. I mean, it, 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 it changes. I mean, this industry ebbs and flows all the time. I mean, 16 ounce, 12, uh, 16, 12, I'm sorry, 12 ounce six packs are, you know, popular, of course. Sure. But now it's like, you know, now it's like 19 twos. Right. Which is, you know, this large format can, sort of a convenience store can. Yeah. Uh, you know, single, um, single use, single, you know, it's like, you know, you just buy one and you drink it. So, which is kind of funny because years ago, a, a can that size had sort of a, or, a package that size had like a stigma to yeah. it, right? Like, okay, you're just kind of catching your buzz or whatever. <laughs> but if you think about it, it does, it is a convenience thing. So I went to the Giants game Saturday, yep. beat the Rockies. That was cool. <laughs> um, and throughout the park, you kind of have your choice between 12 ounce and 19 twos. And at the ballpark, 19.2 is a fantastic format. Yeah. And it's a format of convenience. I'm not trying to drink 10 of those and get hammered, but if I got to go wait in line once and I can get 100%. a 19.2. So it's weird how the even these stigmas have fallen aside. Well, it, it is interesting because, I mean, that is exactly what it is. I mean, look, you know, the, the, the ballpark concessionaires, they want you to just get in line, get your, you know, take your money and then, you know, get out of there. So yeah, they want yeah. you to go back and back, back and forth all the time. So that's definitely, and it's also convenience stores have started to drive that all. And, and grocery stores as well so and what's even interesting is that like now it's like you know ipa is like nine eight nine percent uh, alcohol you're seeing like a lot of like craft breweries we're now playing in that space so yeah. you're seeing like higher alcohol ipas double ipas in a 19.2 ounce can and i think it's because what the, that's what the customer wants so so and i have i've even noticed my taste doing that too first of all i want to i want to cop to something and I, you were here when i did it i think i was doing a live read for 2a once several years ago mm-hmm. when you guys were just starting the 192s and I was like confused by it. And I think in the middle of the live read, I looked over at you and I was like, 19-2, Sully? Like what? We can't just decide on 12 or 16. We have to mess with 19-2. But you were ahead of me. And you were realizing that there's the other there's these other avenues where the 19-2 is perfect. Well, I mean, you have to see what's going on. I mean, we look at a lot of market trends. We see what's going on. We've got an incredible sales and marketing department. Um, it's not very large, but I mean, they're, they're really, they're, they're folks that do their job really well. And so you kind of see like what's going on, what's selling in the larger major grocery stores, you know, sure. what's selling across the country, like, you know, different pockets of opportunity you know, like I was saying, like Massachusetts, they've like, it's like they want 16 ounce cans. And so, you know, you're now you're having to like consider what format can you want uh, to put in those specific markets and sort yeah. of to compete at that level. So it makes sense. Uh, okay. So now back, I want to go back to this higher alcohol thing in the 19.2. Okay. All right. So here's another thing I used to make fun of, like, and all of us who've, who, who've owned a restaurant or own a bar, or if you've been a beer nerd long enough, you know that the thing that used to get asked all the time was, what's your highest alcohol beer? <laughs> right. And we always like thought of those people as kind of like knuckleheads. Right. Yeah. And then that sort of changed. Like people stopped asking about high alcohol. They stopped asking about IBUs. They just started asking about what's your haziest. Well, my opinion is that economics has brought back the question, what's your highest alcohol beer? Or maybe I would like a double IPA in a 192 because I'm not going to have four of them anymore. Well, it's I'm going to have one. And also those, I mean, those are priced uh 
you know, appropriately. So 19.2 ounce, you know, double IPA is, you know, it's actually a good bargain. And yes, I think you're yeah, right. People yeah. are buying because look, it's a, it's a bit of a hard time right now for yeah. everybody out there. So yeah. you're, you're, you know, you're, you're like looking, what am I going to spend my money on? What's, you know, what do I want? I mean, you know, it depends on what's important to you. And, you know, maybe at that time that like single serve 19.2 is like gonna, you know, an eight, nine, you know, percent alcohol is going to like satisfy what you need totally again at baseball games i'd find my i found myself just ordering my you know my habit beer and just go get my my sierra pale ale um (laughs) in in a 19.2 or 16 whatever and as time went on and i realized that they also had like i don't even remember what it's called torpedo or or yeah or their purple can is like hazy big thing or something but it's a double right and i was like well, I'm paying 20 bucks for this thing anyway. Yeah, you start doing the math. Maybe I'll have one yeah. instead of two pails, Yeah, right? And you just do a little bit of the math. And so, um, but I do think there's another component. I think economics is huge. I also think y'all have gotten better at higher alcohol beers, <laughs> right? Like I used to Tip hate the hat. double and triple IPAs. Yeah. They were just so, either so sweet because we felt we had to have that enormous backbone. Yes, the old backbone. <laughs> or overly hoppy or whatever. Yeah. And now, I don't know, most of you guys are brewing some doubles yeah. that just taste like an IPA to me anyway. Well, that's the, yeah. F- for a better bargain. Well, that's true. I mean, it's like the drinkability has definitely changed over the years. Like you said, I mean, you know, back in the back in the day, I mean, yeah, it was like yeah. a lot of caramel malt and, you know, you know, bodybuilding malt that was like supporting this quote unquote hot bitterness. And now, I mean, the drinkability has gone through the roof because you've leaned the beer out. You're going with lighter malts and you're maybe you're even like just, you know, detracting from the bitterness a little bit. You're hop, you know, you're putting a little bit more hop aroma and flavor in there. That's yeah. what you notice. Like next time you have a, you know, a 19.2 ounce, um, you know, double IPA, just, you know, first of all, you can't smell it if you're drinking out of the can. So that's true. There. So yeah. you get that retro nasal thing going on there. So you should just like, just kind of like feel your way through it. So when you're a ball game, you're not really, you're going to put your nose up at the can. Well, I probably would. You probably would. Just yeah, to see what's sure. Going on there because we're nerds that way. But you know, you're, you know, so the hop flavor I think is really important, honestly. I mean, I think that's where you're going to, and you want, you want it to be lean. You want it to finish dry. You want, you know, cause you want people to order another one and another one. So, and or, it's changed a lot. Many. Yeah. But not too <laughs> many, you know, uh, yeah, look, I've had my fair share of two. That's another problem, actually. Some of the doubles are so easy drinking yeah. now. I got yes. myself in trouble the other night with that. And, uh, <laughs> and I warned somebody else, too. I was like, hey, Adam, uh, just be careful with these. They'll get you in trouble. And then I didn't heed my own. Uh... Well, you're drinking out of a can. You're at a concert or a ball game. You're distracted. Yeah, totally. And you're sitting there and you're like, you know, it's very easy. Your buddy goes, hey, you want, you want another, you know, torpedo or, you know, a hazy big thing or whatever. You're, it is. Like, you're like, absolutely. Sure, the weather's nice. Him. The music's good. I'll have another one. Yeah. yeah. 20 bucks. What? Whatever. <laughs> well, let's talk about Vicodin you. in in a can. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah. Let's talk about you before we have to take a break, too. Okay. Uh, because um, this is another thing that I found, uh, I, don't, I don't know if fascinating is the right word. I'm just, I'm so interested in you sometimes, Sully, because you, we've grown up together. We have, we really have. And honestly. and I like watching the progression of the 21st Amendment. And and then in this case, what I'm about to bring up, your, your role. So, of course, when I met you, you're the brewer yeah. at the 21st Amendment brew pub in san francisco yes and and i watched uh y- y- all of your different progressions and i remember you talking to uh, pete schlossberg and i remember pete kind of telling you guys like you know you, you have an opp- you have a choice here maybe you guys want to go for it maybe you mm-hmm. want to try to get past this brew pub and 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 here's some advice and you guys are kind of listening to several people about what to do next yep but you were the brewer 
Mm-hmm. Half the days I went and met with you, Sully, you had your rubber boots on. Yep. <laughs> right? And then as you expanded, of course, the business requires you to do other things. Yes. And then I've met, I think, every single brewer who's ever worked for you. I'm <laughs> you pretty have, sure. You actually, yeah. <laughs> I might be friends with some of them still. I don't even know. Yeah. Um, there haven't you, been that many, though, in 23 years, though. It's just interesting. So. No, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I can only think of two right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, you're, but you've now been back in the brewery yeah, in back. San Francisco. So you opened, of course, San Leandro, which is the production facility. Yes. But you kept the brew pub. And now you're the brew pub brewer. Yeah, it's kind of nuts. It's uh, I always say it's not sustainable. But I that mean, makes so sense. What, yeah. what's happened is that, you know, I have like this rule as the brewmaster, of course, at the uh, you know in San Leandro, sort of guiding a team there and working with them. They're a great team, too. And and then also I've like had to put my boots back on. And a large part it's because it has not been that busy. Okay. And so in San Francisco. And so it didn't warrant like having a full time person there. Okay. So I just started off going, I don't know, I'll just come in here and look brew like a couple days a week and da 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 da. And then what's turned into it though, it's like it's definitely turned into more of a ta- more tasks than I like envisioned. So okay. You know, I'm working six to seven days a week right now. All right. Um, and so, um, and I'm actually loving it. But it is, like I said, it's not sustainable. So it's been great. It's been fun to get back in there. I mean, one of the reasons I got into being a brewer uh, with boots on was I was working in Los Angeles at this law firm mm-hmm. and I was wearing suits every day. And I was like, I don't, I, I don't want to do this. I want to get out of here. And I got, you know, moved to the Bay and became a brewer. And like, you know, I had this, like what I say, like my little like prison as a, at an office in LA at this law firm. And then, I kind of moved up, became a brewer, and then like the company got, you know, moved along and became successful or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I now I have an office again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, so it, it's been a lot of fun. It's actually been fun to innovate, honestly, because, okay. you know, before I'd have to guide innovation through somebody else or work with the team. And, and I still do, you know, can we come up with ideas and things we want to do and all this? It's a little like, um, I have, I'm hiring brewer right now, actually. It's just this past week we put a post for the pub for the pub just yeah. because I, you know, I can't, can, I can't continue at this pace. No, that makes sense. I yeah. mean, look at your age. Oh, please. No, stop that's it. not what I meant. Uh, what Good I was going to even, I've had to do the same thing here yeah. at the, at the hop grenade. And so, yeah, there's a point where like other tasks and yeah. that are very important to the company yeah. are not getting done when yeah. you're brewing that often. Yeah. Too. I mean, like I said, I have a great team in San Leandro, um, great group of people. Um, but you know, I, I, I need to be there, you know, but yeah, I secretly yeah. love this. Of course. A lot. Uh, that's awesome. So that was a question I had for you about like the innovation. Um, yeah. so obviously, you know, it's a brew pub and it's a smaller system, but in a, in a way, certainly more than ever before, it's a pilot system. It is. Yeah. It's a big pilot system, but it's a pilot system. So I assume that the beers you're creating there, you're feeling a little more creativity and a little more input about going back to San Leandro. Is yeah, that accurate? I mean, yeah, exactly. Like a good example is we came out with a cold IPA, you know, a seemingly controversial style. Although when you like, you know, get over the fact that you're not uncomfortable with the name, the beer is quite delicious. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think of American lager, you know, Budweiser and extreme steroids, so to speak, you know, just amped way up in all areas yeah that's probably a bad analogy um that's but, okay it's fine. <laughs> and so you know i brewed probably five or six batches of that and we packaged it and it comes out you know it comes out in towards the winter you know yeah um it's the classic like um mount rushmore with our presidents there and they're all there's, you know, there's a snow scene and all this so it's perfect for nice you know, you know skiing and whatnot so snowboarding so anyway i innovated on that for like literally like five or six batches and okay. i really 
love that beer, and yeah. I really feel like great about it and all that. So, so I felt when when I dove back in here, mm-hmm. uh, basically during COVID and beyond, I ended up feeling like oh, I was a little more detached from this. Um, creative venture, this whole venture than I thought I was. Um, I felt like things were running just fine. And <laughs> I ended up realizing like, oh, I'm really missing a lot of input and, and, and missing connection with my staff and with my customers and all of that. And so I wonder if that was part of your experience too, that even though you, of course, you had to move on from the brewery and do other things. But when you came back, did you find out, oh yeah, this piece was missing? My you know, connection to the brewery. Well, I mean, I think, it, again, like I said, if it's it's, I, it's just selfish, mm-hmm, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I just love it. I mean, okay. I'm kind of in the back there doing my own thing. You know, I, you know, today I brewed a American Red. When was the last time you had an American Red? Nice. It's been a while. So, you know, I said, <laughs> all right, let's, you know, let's have American American Red with Comet and Centennial. And so, uh, you know, and then things went wrong and I love it. Yeah, know? yeah. You know, my the, the favorite part of the day today was like when I came, when I, was, I walked to the bar and, you know, took Bart out, took the, you know, the three hour like Bart ride out to Nevada <laughs> here. Banger, right? yeah. And so came out here and I, the best part of my day is I had like, I had, because I have a cut in my boot right now. This is so inside baseball. <laughs> so I have a cut in my boot, so I have like wet socks. I hate wet socks. Brewers okay. hate wet socks. But yeah. I had a fresh pair of wet socks in my bag. That was the best part. <laughs> a Literally, fresh pair like, of dry socks dry in your socks, bag. Excuse yes, me, that's yeah, what, I, yeah. what I say. Yeah, um, fresh pair of wet socks no, in your no, bag. No, no. Yeah. Well, now I do because the wet ones are in there. <laughs> right, right now. yeah. Yeah, so I mean, you know, it's like these little things. And I physically, I feel great. I've lost a ton of weight. I feel like I'm really like, you know. It's a manual brew house still. In, it is, uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. anyway. I love this. Sully's back, but not for long. But well, well, that being said, though, you've been back for two years. I think you said right. I, Is that you know? I've been trying to think about. I think it's been a probably maybe it has been maybe a year and a half. I have to think about that. Okay, I, but it's, it's been it's, a while. It's yeah. been a while. Yeah. So it's not like a short little two month stint that no, you've done there. No. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm trying to work it in so that I can actually come back when I get somebody on board because I want to do that. The problem is when I've done that before, when I've had a, a brewer that's been working there. It's almost like you're kind of showing up for a photo shoot, you know, where it's like, okay, I'm going to come in next Tuesday and brew this. Okay. And then it's like all set up for me. It's like literally like, you know, I push a button. Okay. And we're brewing now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I really like the, you know, coming in the day before milling and just, I mean, get the, get the whole brew set up. I mean, I just, I mean, I love it. I mean, it's like, it's a meditation. It's it's a meditation. And honestly, it's reconnected me to the craft beer community in a lot of ways, especially with the people around me. You know, you know, some of my friends have brew pubs and they're, you know, they're having challenging times right now. And so to reconnect with them and, you know, and just the, the the San Francisco community, which, you know, is, you know, it's coming back. It's mm-hmm. just that, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like, you know, of course, like with any industry right now, especially hospitality, there are challenges that are happening. So, yeah. Well, that connection is what I meant. That's what I was asking. And you, and you, you just answered it right there that you have found like a new. Yeah. Yeah. It's a new reconnection. Well, let's do this. Let's take a quick break because now because we are going to I wanted to use this as an opportunity to, to talk about the state of the injury uh, industry too, <laughs> the or the injury uh, state of the industry as well. Um, you're in a unique, uh, I think, position because you obviously run a, a brew pub, which we've been talking about, yep. which has its own struggles, especially in a city like San Francisco that's uh, that's waiting to come back. Yep. Um, but you're also a large regional brewer. Uh, with the production facility in San Leandro. So I thought, what better person, like I said, to talk to than Sully. So let's do a quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll do a little state of the industry talk with Sean O'Sullivan. Hang in there. It's the session. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the session. Thank you for hanging out with us. We're still 
sitting with Sean Sully O'Sullivan from the 21st Amendment. You can go to 21st-amendment.com. Check it out. Check out their latest releases. Always putting out some new beer, and you can find it all over there at the 21st-amendment.com. Um, all right, before the break, I was saying, I was kind of teasing. We're going to get a little little state of the industry. Yeah, I think it's a good thing. Well, so I have my finger on the pulse of it, but I honestly, because I hear from so many, and, and I'm talking to different size breweries all the time, um, for me, uh, it can be a little confusing sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of my uh, brewer friends are just doing... Uh, Epically, like they've never done so well, which is a weird thing for me to hear because, you know, I hear from Bart Watson at the Brewers Association (laughs) that 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 uh, craft beer is not on the decline, but you know, uh, uh, plateaued. Um, I see, gosh, I see even Anheuser Busch dumping brands that they've purchased over the last decade. I think Ten Barrel and a bunch of others just got dumped. Um, So I see all these things, um, and and I realize that we're on this little roller coaster slash pendulum, right? Um, And I wondered about you. Um, So what I was thinking was the spot that the 21st Amendment is in as a, are you, do you call yourselves or consider yourself a large regional brewery? Yeah, I would say that. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, we're kind of in that middle tier. That's what I thought. Yeah, Yeah. and like like Heretic is an example of that. Mm -hmm. Um, When you get into the larger breweries, of course, we're talking about the the likes of Sierra Nevada and Sam Adams. We're in in 36 states. So, and you guys are in 36 states (laughs) as opposed to everywhere uh, all the time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) uh, It's a good movie. Um, (laughs) um, You know, and then you have your, your... you're still kind of, I don't know, I guess just local breweries, even though they're quite well distributed. You, you know, your cellar makers, your Alvarado streets, right? Um, and depending on where you are in this tier is where I've found the, the level of optimism I hear from, from brewers. Yep. Um, and, and, just, and it made me wonder about you because you kind of live in, in a little bit of both worlds. Uh, you're, you're a small brew pub as well as a, as a, lar- as a, as a large mid, mid-market brewery. We're right? also a local brewery, too. Also a local brewery. Bay Area, so yeah, that hasn't sold. By the way, can we just uh, can we go ahead and celebrate that for a minute? Even though I won't be mad at you if you do, um, I've never been that guy. But you were a local independent brewery, yeah. Who about how many years ago did you open uh, San Leandro? Uh, it was back in 2015. Okay, it's 2015. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So eight, eight years ago. That's eight years ago, made the decision to. These are all my words, by the way, because yes. uh, I don't know the economics of what you did. What, but what I can say is, you have made the decision eight years ago, you and Nico, to dump a bunch of money yeah. into becoming a larger brewery. Yeah, I mean, what what happened was, I mean, the craft, the, the trend at craft beer at the time uh, was there was just you know you know, epic growth, you know, we were growing like 25, 35% a year and we were still brewing out in Cold Spring, you know, at our partner brewery out there Mm -hmm. on their new, you know, state of the art system and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we were, we were kind of running up against the wall of, of, um, capacity with them and also the ability to innovate. And so, you know, we took it upon ourselves like in 2014 to like, you know, to start building this large brewery, you know? And so, that's that was the journey we went on because you know and we were you know and and all craft breweries were doing at the time I mean large you know regional oh yeah craft breweries I mean you saw like you know New Belgium was opening a place out out east you know and also Stone and, and Green Flash and uh, and Sierra as well I mean so breweries were like looking at you know new locations mm-hmm. far afield because they were sort of land trapped by their own their their home space their home territory yeah so for us it was uh, an interesting move because um, when we did it we 
didn't have a legacy staff to build this thing. So where you have like, let's say the larger breweries I just mentioned, they have people that work at these large breweries and they can kind of like pick up and let's say move to Asheville and open mm -hmm. a brewery out there. Mm -hmm. So for us, it was, a it was a challenge in that regard. And so, you know, some decisions we made, we probably wouldn't have made them again, you know? Okay. Um, and, and that's just like, that's just the rear view mirror of like, well, maybe we shouldn't have done that. Maybe we, you know, but you just don't know when you're in it, you're kind of like moving along. So yeah, so 2014, you know, we, we started building this thing and we started brewing in, in 2015. Right, really and that's quick when, build, and that's when craft beer kind of like took its little like hiccup at the time. Sure. And so you know, and then just to, as a recap for those and, and those who haven't heard John here before, yeah. what size brewery did you build there? So we built a hundred barrel yeah. uh, GE system. That's the brew house, and so and then we installed like uh, two hundred and five hundred barrel tanks. Okay, it's a ginormous tanks. You know, with a capacity initial capacity of seventy five thousand barrels. Wow. Yeah. And um, and then what's happened is that, but the the brewery. So the brewery, if you just look at straight beer, um, it can do upwards of 300,000 barrels. And the canning line, which is state-of-the-art, you've seen it. It's yep. just this beautiful, you know, KHS system. It's just, it, it, it can spin as fast as that brewery can. So, yeah, yeah. So we can make it, you know, comfortably. This is beer, too. You know, at the other beverages, you know, it doesn't take as long. Um, sure. But yeah, and I mean, the we canning were, line takes up just from a real estate perspective. The canning line takes up as much, if not more, of the of the brew house than the brew house does. Yeah, right? It of the building does. that you're in. Yeah, it's, uh, it's you know, just we're massive. In old, we're in an old Kellogg factory, and so <laughs> it's a log, It's essentially a big box, mm -hmm. and we dropped in the brewery and the cellar, mm -hmm. and also the canning line and all the other stuff that goes with it, the lab and you know um, yeah. centrifuge and whatnot. So uh, kegging line, and so. Um, and so then, and so right then, you said is right when craft beer started yeah. to have its hiccup. Can I ask you this? Did you completely shit your pants at that moment? Like because you had really gone all in, yeah, and there was no turning back. No, there wasn't. But you don't know when you're in it. Okay. You know, you know, in like the rearview mirror, you kind of like see what's happening in the industry, and you see like there's okay, there's a little bit of a, you know, there's. Um, you know, breweries are, you know, well, back, you know, in 2013, 2014, that's when you saw a lot of acquisitions happening. Yeah. And so that's when, like, craft beer was really hot in that regard. So, you know, breweries were being bought. I mean, the Ballast Point acquisition is the one everybody talks about. Sure. Loganies, you know. But that right was a that unicorn, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, but, you know, there were smaller ones that happened. You know, ABI was sort of playing in that space as well as Coors Miller and, mm -hmm. um, or Coors and Miller. And so, um, so what happened was we, you know, in the retrospect, yeah, you can see it. And when and when it was happening, you're kind of like, all right, well, you know, we're we just start plowing around. We start like we 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 eventually then like partnered with Brooklyn Brewery. Yep. And so that actually put us put more feet on the ground. Okay, that and was like a sales partnership, basically, right? Yeah. yeah. So we created a uh, sales platform with them. So we went mm -hmm. from like I think we had ten or you know ten you know salespeople. I might not have that wrong number right, but we went to seventy five salespeople in the country, and that was we were doing that with um, with um, Funkworks. Yep, Brooklyn and Funkworks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so that you know that went along for a while, mm -hmm. and you know we were going to brew their beer out in San Leandro. We did that for a little bit also with Funkworks. Okay, but then you know the the great equalizer. COVID happened. Yeah, and yeah. so, and then, you know, that was, you know, it, it was a great idea until it wasn't a good idea. Sure. So when I, I, I think I've told you this story before, but when I opened our, our Fort Collins, Colorado location, mm -hmm. um, you know, got sold a pretty good bill of goods about that spot. Looked, looked very similar to here, had a park out front. They're going to do concerts, all this stuff. Yep. I've been there. And uh, we were in, I was more than halfway through construction. We were probably about a month away from opening, maybe two months away from opening. 
And I had done some other market research before, of course. I'm not a complete moron, but I did feel like a complete moron at this moment. But it just it makes me think about this, how, like you're saying, we, we put all this money in the brewery and then this hiccup happened. Yeah. Well, I remember going to the Mexican restaurant about three doors down from the Hop Grenade on a Saturday, on a summer, on a warm summer Saturday night. And I was there at about 8.30 and uh, there was not that many people in the restaurant at all, mm-hmm. this Mexican restaurant I'm at. And I remember I asked a manager, I said, hey, man, you know, is it is it usually like this or is this like something <laughs> happening? And he goes, oh, no, no, no. It's not usually like this at all. It's usually way slower. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I did shit my pants. Uh-huh. I, I knew I knew immediately before we ever opened the Hop Grenade Fort Collins, yeah. I was probably fucked. Oh, my God. And I <laughs> didn't put anywhere near into what you guys probably did at the brewery, yeah. but I but a lot. And well, I mean, I was somewhat terrified. Yeah, well, of course you were. Uh, and I was too, you know, at times, but I mean, you also start working the problem. You start yep. working the issue, yep. not the sure. problem, but sure. you look, you know, you, you're, you're looking at what's going on in front of you and you're, you're looking for the opportunities. And that's when, you know, Brooklyn came along and had a great idea uh, at the time and it kind of, and it did work for a while. Okay. And uh, it just, you know, it just went topsy turvy once the whole COVID thing happened. Sure. And then we disbanded. We're not involved with them anymore. Okay. So. Okay. But since then... Um, and since COVID, like you say, the great equalizer sort of pushed things backwards a little bit. Uh, I haven't talked to you about any of this. So uh, listeners at home, I don't have the answer to these questions ahead of time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to assume you're not brewing at capacity at, in no, San Leandro. we're not. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, in a large part because we have this facility, this huge facility, we looked for opportunities. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we what it turns out is that there is a need for co-packing, you know. So we're, I guess you could say, we're still excited about beer. We're still out there selling our beer, you know, in all the states. and Which is obvious. Yeah, yeah. you guys are still pushing a lot of great beer. Thank you. And yeah. so what we're doing is we're getting into co-packing. Now, what is co-packing? Co-packing is where essentially you're making somebody else's beverage. Now, of course, us in the beer space here just immediately think it's beer um, sure. or possibly seltzer. But it actually goes beyond that. So, I mean, we have the ability with this, with uh the, you know, the innovation that we're doing there to actually go beyond the beer space. Okay. And what we're installing is we're installing a tunnel pasteurizer. So, which, which runs as fast as our canning line, which is very fast. And so we have the ability to sort of make any beverage we, we can. And, I see. And, the, and the, a pasteurizer, if you don't know, a tunnel pasteurizer, what it, what it is, is very simple. Louis Pasteur invented this whole concept of pasteurization. So it's like where warm water is sprinkled on a can after it's been filled, it goes through a tunnel. Okay. And so the warm water is being sprinkled on the can and then it heats it up to like 160 degrees for like 10 minutes and then it brings it back down. So the can is sealed and done. Yes. It's been packaged cold, obviously. Yes. Otherwise, it would foam everywhere. Goes through this tunnel where it goes up to how high did you say? About 160, depending on the product. Just it's like it's is it flash pasteurization? Is that what it's called? No, flash pasteurization is like uh, if you're like let's say running it through. Uh, a tube and shell system where so this is actually these little these cans come off the line they're like little soldiers and they go into this big long tunnel with a conveyor belt and it moves it along so they're heated up mm-hmm. held and then they're cooled back down i see okay and so what that what and this that, is not really for beer this is for other well, it can products. be for beer i mean there's okay. actually breweries even large you know 
uh, craft breweries that pasteurize their beer as well because okay. it can be a little, you know, you have like shelf stability issues and all this, you know, and so and then actually the innovation in pasteurization for craft beer has come way further than back in the day. It was like people pohooted because it was like, well, the big breweries do that. Well, the innovations have happened um, since then that okay. like where hoppy beers are actually able to be pasteurized. So anyway, so it, it, it's the kill step. So if there's anything living in there, um, it basically uh, neutralizes it. And um, also when you're making products that have sugar in them, that's very like, you know, that can be very touch and go. So if you get like any sort of microbial, like even a, you know, nothing, you know, and, and we, or just a drop of whatever, um, it will, it can, you know, start fermenting mm-hmm. and have it go bad. And so this is everything that you have that you buy has been, has been pasteurized. Yeah. That can of Coca-Cola has been pasteurized. Right, that right, milk right. you have has been pasteurized. Sure, sure. So it's uh so what's enabling us to do is that we now have uh, a team now where we're going out and we are soliciting for contract partners. We're going to install this um, tunnel pasteurizer mm-hmm. at the end of the month, end of, uh, I think, in October. Okay. And um, we have people that have worked in the industry before. And so it's, it's somewhat a survival mechanism, but I don't see it that way anymore. Okay. I see it as what we thought about the facility that you spoke of, the large facility as being this huge anchor around our neck is now our greatest asset. Sure. Because not a lot of breweries have that ability to do what we have to do. We have like this amazing canning line and we have this, you know, coupled with the pasteurizer uh, and the ability to make any kind of beverage you want, you Hmm. know, whether it's like, whether it's tea, juice, hard iced tea, you know, seltzer, beer, non-alc is really critical to pasteurize. Actually, we're going to start playing in that space as well. Okay. As the 21st Amendment. So So you have these other entrepreneurs, these other people putting out products that have not spent millions of dollars on a line like you. Why not use ours? Similar to how you guys were a partner brewing in Cold Springs. Yeah, it's a little bit like um, we've definitely taken, you know, uh, the idea from that. And, you know, and that's, and that's what we're doing. I mean, Cold Spring in some ways was going through some hard times and then they pivoted into co-packing. Okay. And I feel like, um, you know, you're, you're as, as entrepreneurs, Justin, yes. we have to pivot the industry. We have to pivot and, and, and to be successful. And so whether it's like, you know, like when craft brewers started making their own hard seltzer, I mean, that's like, you know, if you would have told me, you know, two, three years, let's say three years ago that I was going to put a tunnel pasteurizer in, I was like, and I would, I would kick you in the shins. Now I'm yeah. excited. I mean, I'm elated by it. Right. But also craft brewers, whether you're large or small, if you were like, well, one day you're going to make uh, alcohol with just sugar water. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going to add, you know, flavor to it. Right. And you're, you're going to be excited about it. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> well, and you're not the first brewery like this that I've, that I, that I've, so I don't, I don't know if I should say, cause it, it was, I guess a private conversation, but a, a friend of mine in the industry mm-hmm. that, that you also know out in the South Bay, um, started making the same thing, the same pivot, even before COVID actually, even before mm-hmm. it changed it, he had spent a lot of money on, uh, pack packaging infrastructure more than most breweries his size and then the hiccup started even just before covid really right like so um yeah and then he's like yeah i gotta figure out how to just use this for other things what you don't just throw away it's this is where i got yelled at by jim cook once (laughs) for calling his brewery a factory oh wow (laughs) right it was like it was at gabf and i was doing an interview and he yeah i'm exaggerating but he he didn't like it at all you poked the bear um, in some ways, your your brewery 
can be a factory. And if we're not yeah. t- if we're not worried about semantics, it actually is. We're I talking will, about an industrial space yeah. that has multiple uses. Well, look, if you look at the arc of craft beer, when Nico and I got into it, it was way back in the day where you could make beer and kind of like put it out there and people bought it. Now the competition has risen yeah. and there's a lot more of us. There's like 10,000 craft breweries right now. Right. It's and insane. So, and we're all like, you know, we're all scraping for, you know, market share, whether it's like at a pub level, in the store, at, you know, whatever, however you define that. Right. And I feel like, um, you know, it is a fa- it, it's a it's a mature business now, and yeah. so you have to make mature decisions in order to be successful. You can't yep. look at it like as enthusiasts, a hobbyist, like Nico and I were. Yeah, you know, you had to put your big you know your big uh, adult pants on and <laughs> yeah. uh, and and make it work or not or not know? exactly or or it's innovate or die. That's a saying that's often said. And let's be honest, because I think about this a lot too. This is our career, Sully. Like, yes. Am I starting another career? I don't know. So <laughs> well, maybe you got to go. Maybe what you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you got, yeah. Use what you have. Do yeah. what, do what you can. I uh, see. I love hearing this, and I and I knew that you guys are smart enough to to figure this out, especially when I saw that facility. So yeah, uh, I get, well, sorry, brewery. If you're gym, you can call it a facility. A facility I don't like mind. A factory I mean, a beer, facility. A beer, you know, a beer factory has kind of a nice it's little ring bad, to it. I don't no, think it's not. It's really not. Um, I'm sure Jim's doing fine with his brewery. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I wasn't too worried about it either. Yeah. Well, let's do this. Let's just take another uh, uh, quick break because we got more to talk about on, okay. uh, on this topic, and I want to know what you think about. Um, well, you know, just kind of, kind of the future. Um, and to tease that, everything is cyclical. Yes. Right. And so, and that's something I've struggled with because it's hard to see that right now. That the cycle, it's always going to come back. Like beer is not going anywhere. Craft beer, as we know and love it, it's not going anywhere, despite the naysayers. And so, I like to talk about like what people think about that cycle and, and maybe where we are in it. Just like fashion, it all comes back. Yes. That's why I'm always in style. <laughs> 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 or just a year away from it. Exactly. Maybe that's more accurate. <laughs> Hang in there. You're listening to the session, and we'll be right back. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Their website features real-time inventory, which means if you can put it in your cart, they can guarantee it'll ship the same day by 4 p.m. on weekdays. Want easy and simple electric brewing? Check out the new Series 2 Mash and Boil, featuring an elevated grain basket so you don't have to calculate sparge water. Williams also features the full Kegland line, everything from Brewzilla to Maltzilla and a huge selection of duo-tight fittings. Looking for a kegerator? Look no further than the Kegland Series X and Plus kegerators, which feature 4 and 8 keg capacity in a compact footprint. And free shipping to the lower 48. Interested in distilling? Look up their proven Williams American bourbon and brandy kits, as well as complete distilling equipment packages and conversion kits for popular systems like the Mash and Boil, Anvil, and the Grainfather. Check them out today. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse their vast selection. Welcome back to the session. Thank you for hanging out with us today. Uh, We are still hanging out with Sean Sully O'Sullivan and talking about 21st Amendment and the state of the industry. I want to thank a couple more of our sponsors before we move on. Don't forget about Beersmith. Beersmith 3 is out now, and you can get their free web editor edition for 30 days. You can go check it out and try it. The pros use it. The amateurs use it. Everybody uses it. Beersmith. Brad's a great guy and is just always innovating that software. So go check out 
out Beersmith 3. Go to Beersmith.com and get your free 30-day trial on their web editor. And then you can just download it all to your devices and it does everything you need it to do. And thank to them for, uh, for being a sponsor for so long. Just great people over there. All right, so we're talking about the state of the industry still. State of the industry. I know, which we're, you know, we're covering like our little corner of the state of the industry, yeah. I guess. Um, but there's just, there's so much to it um, that I just, I wanted to keep uh, covering it with you. Um, now, you're not just making changes at the San Leandro Brewery, which you're, we're talking yeah. about, like just repurposing and reorganizing and using that uh, New technology canning yeah. line and uh, for Innovation. other things. But you're doing things at the brew pub too. Yeah, we, um, you know, so we we climbed our way out of COVID, and um, you know, and we realized that we've been open for 23 years. Oh my gosh, down there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You look at the gray hair. <laughs> uh, or what little hair there is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, you know, it, it, it needed a re- refresh. Sure. So, you know, we've, uh, you know, we've had You guys pro- don't own the building. We do not. Yeah. One of our investors owns it, actually. And he's, oh, nice. He's okay. a great man. Great. Uh, and the same family is, too. And so, he, um, so what happened was is that we said, we have to double down on this. Uh, we need, you know, the place needs a paint job. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we're repainting the building. We're, like, removing um, the sign and, like, taking down the, uh, the, the you know, that kind of, like rinky silo on the on the, yeah. on the side of the building so, oh that's coming down yeah huh? we're, we're gonna yeah. put up uh, murals and uh and we're taking the large paintings down okay um inside know, the, yeah inside and there's one of nico and i supposedly yeah uh, was, <laughs> supposedly yeah, yeah. And so, it's controversial whether it or not and so you know we're just gonna like give the place a refresh okay and so and we're also looking at the menu and we're like you know getting it like dialed in you know we've been using a good friend of ours uh brian Reckow, who's a you know he's a consultant but he's like worked in the beer space for a long time and the funny story is back in 2004 um, when there was like seven craft breweries or eight craft breweries in uh, San Francisco um, he actually in the span of like five years worked at all of those and we're the last one he's never worked for us so he used to make okay. he used to make jokes to me like you make a joke to me he said hey can I just come and like you know get the jacket you know like close it out like you know I, <laughs> yeah. I go to your place I get the badge and all this stuff and so I called him up one day and said hey I think we have an opportunity here like you've got a great like you know an amazing like service industry background I mean he used to run you know he ran uh uh, Magnolia and then help with the new Belgium, new Belgium, like, um, shift from little creatures to new Belgium when that was going on. So, okay. yeah. uh, anyway, so it's been great, you know, it's been kind of like, it's re- reinvigorated the whole space. The yeah, serv- that's exciting. Pay attention to service now. And it's just, it needed it. You know, and we've we, done a few things like that here too. Yeah. When you kind of just feel that you need it, you got to do it. You and it's exciting it. to, to, to do that. I'm having like some of the floors, the floor replaced in the brewery, which is oh, nice. like tile that's chipping up and all that. So it's like those little things, and also, you know, you know, Justin, we've always been there. And yeah. so when that neighborhood was not great back in the day when the Giants first came on board. Right. And there was a lot of like sketchy stuff going on down there. And then restaurants opened and didn't sometimes do well because they were looking at the dollar in a lot of ways, like trying to get folks in mm. that, you know, for, you know, to turn it into a steakhouse or whatever. So like, you know, the, the level of the experience level was higher. And of course the checks were higher. Yeah. So we've always been this place like that offers value and, you know, and, and craft beer. And so it's completely approachable. So really feel like, you know, you know, as much as you hear kind of like somewhat of the doom and gloom of craft beer, I think there's an yeah. opportunity to kind of double down on it and really sort of embrace it. You know, we, you know, as you know, like Anchor closed recently, at yeah. least right now. And I feel like, you know, 
we have to like take the torch. Not that I want to like, you know, become anchor or whatever, but I mean, <laughs> right. I feel like, I feel like, you know, I think that there's an opportunity for us to sort of like really, you know, you know, say, Hey, we're here We're you know, you're, we're your like San Francisco craft brewery, you know? So yeah. Um, let's get, you know, come on back and like, and look what we've done since then. So did you go to the California craft brewers conference this year? I did not. So David Walker was the keynote. Um, David I, Walker. I actually talked to Nico about this there. Yeah. I saw Nico there and, David gave, uh, you know, to summarize it, he was saying, we are now the stewards of beer in America. And I don't think he differentiated craft beer from beer. Yeah. He was kind of saying there's still a story to be told. and that, And that you guys, and I actually think me in mm-hmm. some way, whatever my little leg in the beer industry, it's now our story to tell. And what we do with that matters. Like, it is important. So to still love your brand and to still, and to, like you just said, to that you don't want to be the next anchor, but you're not going to shy away from carrying a torch. And I think it is important that those like you in the industry and Firestone, they own David Walker, um, that you guys do say, we have a responsibility for what beer, lo- the landscape looks like in America. Because if you don't tell it, I think this is what David was getting at. If you guys don't tell it, the guys we trust, um, the ones that we don't trust are the ones that are going to get to tell it. No, I, I completely agree. I mean, going back to your comment about, you know, the, the cyclical nature mm. of, you know, consumerism. Yeah. And so, you know, craft beer kind of goes up and down. I mean, it did this back in the late 90s when, you know, you had a lot of, you know, not very good contract beer that was being thrown at the, right. um, you know, in the market and all that. And so then that rebounded. We had a, you know, a, a surge of growth in 2004 and beyond. So, I, yeah, I don't disagree with David Walker at all. I think, you know, I mean, when I say that I don't want to be anchor, well, maybe I would like to be anchor. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. be fun if the 21st Amendment was around for 125 years like anchor. Sure. You know, and anchor will be around. That story is still being told. I mean, yeah. you know, they've been, you know, they've been, they've gone through def- different iterations. And so, you know, I think this is just the next cycle. I think for us who've like, always had anchor there for us in that one in the form right. that we know it as right it's sort of unsettling for us but if you kind of zoom out and this is happens when you get older you know i had a big birthday this year i turned 40 and so yeah. um, again you know again and so i you know you you kind of get a sense of like okay well um you know this kind of goes up and down yeah and i think if you stay on if you keep your messaging and, you know, and your beliefs, honestly, just messaging, that sounds sort of like very marketing you speak, but I mean, I just, I think that if you believe in what you're doing yeah. and you keep at it, I think it com- will come back to you. Sure. Okay. Well, th- this is a perfect statement for my next question. And, and my next session comes from a personal place, right? Mm-hmm. So I struggle with, I have that positivity and I believe in what I'm doing and what we're doing here. But, since COVID and, and since before a little bit with our failure in Fort Collins and the things that, you know, it's sometimes hard to stay positive, right? Yeah. But I'm not a doom and gloom guy. I'm really not. But when you start to, when things keep happening that are out of your control, when there's a pandemic, yeah. <laughs> when the results of the pandemic are an exploding homeless population mm-hmm. in your neighborhood in San Francisco and in mine here in Concord, mm-hmm. when laws are created, when there's some, when there's a bunch of failed policy around how we're figuring out how to deal with the dichotomy between capitalism and homelessness, right? It does sometimes get hard to stay optimistic. And, and I hear in your voice, you're like, no, I'm excited about this stuff. Yeah. But it is, a, sometimes it's a struggle, isn't it? Aren't you sometimes going like, 
oh, of course that fucking thing happened because <laughs> all shitty things keep happening. No, I don't look at it that way. You I've, like, I've yeah. become very good at compartmentalizing. Okay. I've also been in therapy for 15 years. Sure, so, that you helps. Know, I got yeah. to do it after a bad breakup and when my mom was dying. So, I mean, I, like, I'm pretty like, you know, I'm bullish on this industry. And okay. I think, yes. Because uh, San Francisco's tough right now. It is tough, but it's like, it's just one part of our business too. Sure. And so I feel like, you know, we feel like, you know, buoyed by the the idea of like putting this work and like making this place look better and getting people back and like, you know, and also getting on top of the building and screaming and telling people, Hey, we're still here and look, we're even better than ever. And so, and I think, you know, I think people will come back. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I think, you know, um, it's, you know, just the cyclical nature of everything. Yeah. If you focus on, the bad stuff. If you if you look at like the homelessness situation or the economics of what's happening in like major cities, I mean, San Francisco is like one of the last cities to sort of make, come back in some ways. Yeah, and I I think that you you can't look at it that way because it will tear you down. Yeah, and I think if you decide to go to that dark hole, well, then you're not doing a service to yourself or your business, mm-hmm. and you have to sort of like, and then maybe you have to make major decisions that were unthinkable years ago. Right, and so and those decisions are. Um, you know those they're are, worse well they're well they're not worse but they're definitely hard but yeah, in some yeah. ways in retrospect the hard decisions are the best decisions mm-hmm. and so you know mm-hmm. i think you know i have friends who've you know who are going through their breweries are closing and i feel like you know at some point you're like okay we gave it a shot and now you know we've tried everything we could do and sure. you got to kind of like and there's an emotional you're, ta- you're you know you're caught up in the emotionality of it you put your time and in, any in, in your effort into it but yeah you take it personal yeah. sure and, and any business industry is that way yeah so i mean we're just so like focused because it's craft beer we are a consumer product it's you still know? a consumer yeah, product we are yeah. literally all we do is we we take our hat in hand and we ask somebody please just please buy this yeah that's all it is at try the mine day. try mine yeah. yeah and what why would i try yours and not somebody else's so yeah yeah no, you're right. You're right. And by the way, I do have that attitude as well. Yeah. I, and in fact, I've gotten more involved in my community here to to try to clean up the things that I feel are out of my control. Because I'm also not a person to just go, well, it's that person's fault. Yeah. And it's that person's fault. It's always my fault. Jamil taught me that years ago. <laughs> do, you remember that? do you ever remember that piece of advice? He said to me once, everything that's wrong with your business is your fault. And I knew what he meant, right? And I've said this yeah, on air a, yeah, before. What he meant was yeah, like, yeah. get in there and do something about it. Yeah. Or it's your fucking fault. <laughs> it is. You can't just <laughs> you know? sit back and complain away. I mean, that's yeah. just not worthwhile. It's not just not worth to do it that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to make hard decisions. Sometimes they're not popular decisions. You know, maybe, you know, seemingly unpopular. But they're, and they're hard. And you have to like, you know, you have to decide what you want to do. What is important to you, you yeah, know? Yeah, And I think and in some parts, it's like, you know, there are friends of mine who like are thinking about opening craft breweries right now. And I say, well, that's a great idea. What is your idea? What is your unique selling proposition? I think that's a, it's a challenge right now yeah. where you just like, can't just open a craft brewery and expect to be successful. You have right. to really like, you have to think about it and what am I going to do and how am I going to be different from everybody else? I mean, it's right. definitely a time today where if you're thinking about it, you better have your ducks in a row. This sure. is not like, I mean, not to, I, you know, I just like the cautionary tale is this, this is not easy anymore. When we got started, it was a little easy. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like. Didn't pe- feel like it then, but now in hindsight, it was yeah, easy. It was easy. It was a lot mm-hmm. easier. You know you, yeah. you know, you could sell really anything that you made in some ways. And I think right now that you have to, especially a brewery of our size in the middle range of craft breweries. Yeah. Where we have to like, 
be very specific about what we're doing and our go-to-market strategy, you know, and how we speak to our, you know, national chains and also our local market and um, in order to be successful because yeah. we are in kind of in a pinch area, you know, the size of our brewery, you know, where, right. where which is why we're pivoting to, you know, getting involved in this co-packing business. Sure. So it's allowing us to be successful. And really, at the end of the day, it's allowing us to sort of take this beer brand that we've created and have fun with it because we feel bullish on this, on the co-packing opportunity um, that will allow us to essentially have fun in the beer space again. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. Here's a crystal ball question then for okay, you. Okay. Let me get it out. Uh, speaking about the cycles, right? Uh, it really is a crystal ball question. I'm going to ask it anyway. Okay. Is there room for a brewery of the 21st Amendment size in our lifetime again? Or is it just small breweries or big breweries? <laughs> well, I think you answered the question earlier. The cyclical nature of everything is, look, anytime in, anytime in any industry, yeah. there is an explosion of growth. We've seen that in craft beer. And then there's, uh, there's consolidation. A reckoning. We've yeah. seen that. Mm-hmm. And now we've seen a reckoning and a shakeout. And that's kind of happening a little right now. Yeah. So the people that are smart and like are po- poised to sort of be successful will be successful and they'll get through this. Okay. You know, and that's not to sort of like, you know, throw shade on people that are having challenges because I believe me, I've been there. I understand what that's like. And I, and I feel your pain out there. Um, I just think that right now, you know, you've got to be really careful. Yeah. It's not like, you know, it's just not as easy. Like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. You want to end with a get to know Sully segment? (laughs) Cause I don't have more questions about it. You've actually really covered to me. We've answered a bunch of state of the industry questions mm-hmm. without answering them all because I actually feel like there's a ton of unanswered questions that we're just living right now. It's we're going to figure it out right now. That's a good point because there are, I mean, look, if you look at like, you know, you look at market trends, you look at IRI data, that's mm-hmm. like, you know, that's mm-hmm. like, you know, what's being sold at a grocery store and you see what's like popular and what isn't popular. Yeah. You can kind of pivot your business on those, on those directions. And sometimes you're right, and sometimes you're right for a year, and then it kind of changes, it goes away. And, yeah. And that's the challenge right now. You have to be- Everything's so dynamic right yes. now that I don't want this podcast to be out of date in six months yeah. <laughs> or three months. <laughs> so I, that's why I genuinely feel like it's not that I don't have more questions. It's that I think it would be a, li- a lot of speculation on the two of our part if I dove even further. Right? Like yeah. just speculation. I think if you want to open a craft brewery of the 21st Amendment size, mm-hmm. you have to have a great mar- you have, have to a great beer, great product. Mm-hmm. You have to have a great marketing plan. You yeah. have to be well-funded. Well-funded, And yes. you have to think about what are you going to do? And maybe- Oh, God, it- and well-funded now, by the way, compared to what you had to do? Jeez. Yeah, it's- you have to, <laughs> you have to, you know, you have to, you know, you have to- Pay for access in a lot of ways. Yeah. So you know, in in everything. So yeah, bit, yeah. Business is just no different. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a mature industry. Yeah. It's not your grandfather's brewer anymore. No, <laughs> no. All right, let's have a little fun at the end. Let's do it. I started doing these random questions with guests. Okay. Uh, have you ever been here when I did it with other guests? Because I think it might be newer than even you sitting in a, as a co-host. I don't know if I have actually, but let's do it. They're just they're 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 super super random. Um, what's your favorite current guilty pleasure musician, band, or song? 
And by that I mean like, I really like Miley Cyrus. <laughs> She's okay. a guilty pleasure of mine. Like her music is not really my style, but it's a guilty pleasure. So, okay, it's interesting you should say this because I've actually started to like, you know, you can't, man cannot, or, you know, person cannot live on beer alone. So actually <laughs> I have been volunteering as a community member at my local University of California Calix radio station. Nice. And I'm doing shifts there. It's a broadcast station. You can also hear it on the air at klx.berkeley.edu. Heck yeah, Sully. So I'm doing that. I also do this like uh, sort of pirate radio station at radiovalencia.fm. Okay. But so I'm like, so I'm like, and the thing about like a Calix, it's like, the library there at the university it's on campus at berkeley where you just saw the show yeah it's like there's 155,000 pieces of music in there. yes so, I've, i think i've been in that studio yeah. yeah it's just amazing and you have people that are like my son's age or in dg dj classes with me and then um <laughs> it's crazy and I it's love and, it, and so you have community members who are even older than me you know 42 and uh yeah and they are you know who've been stalwarts with the station for a long time so you have like this whole range of people and i love the energy this is awesome it's insane so my guilty pleasure i will tell you this it's interesting you said miley cyrus because i think that's my guilty pleasure nice yeah She's like having a she's having a, a reckoning with uh, people our age or something. I don't really know. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's like something about her pop music um, uh, sensibilities are just, they just fit. Yeah, yeah, I love this. Well, that's a second. Uh, you answered two questions in one because my other one uh, that I ask people is like, what are you super into that people don't know about? But it's like this DJ thing. You've always yeah. You do a show with uh, we used to with JP yes. where you guys got to spin some tunes. Yep. This has always been a passion of yours. Yeah, it's like interesting because you know RadioValencia.fm is a small. You only hear it over the internet, mm-hmm. um, and it's actually broadcast right next to the Makeout Room on Twenty Second Street in the Mission. So you go there, and it's like. You know, it's just a bunch of people doing it. They say it's a duocracy. If it's, if you want to do it, you can do it. Nice. So it's like it's sort of like you know, it's a little helter helter skelter. Versus like where Calix is like run like a ship. I mean, it's like okay, yeah. you have like directors, music department directors, music library directors. You have you know publicity. You have all okay, this stuff yeah. going on. So you have to clear your your playlist at Calix. Well, I don't have to clear it, but I have to be really really cognizant of playing the O's. Okay, yeah. You cannot have obscenities. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, yeah. I but I I love it. I mean, I like uh, you know I've always been a guy. You know, back in the day when remember when you used to get mixed cassette tapes. Yeah, remember that? Are you old enough for that? <laughs> of course. So yes. you would get those, and you know you you know you'd give it to your friend or you give it to the, you know maybe somebody you liked or something like that. And so it's kind of like I have a whole like plan of how I do my show, and it yeah. starts as an arc as like I like doing that in the morning. I'm a morning person, so and it's like it just kind of gradually brings you in. It's like ambient music and then I kind of like you know it takes off this is amazing I love it and it's like it's so structured at Calyx too like you have to do certain things all the time and it's almost like you're surfing you have to stay ahead of the wave because if you get behind (laughs) you're like oh crap I I forgot to do that spot and I gotta do this thing you gotta do your station IDs you gotta cover your underwriting exactly come on man I'm I'm right there with you exactly All right. let's see this is fun here's a good one for you okay you're a movie guy. Okay. <laughs> What's the best movie you've seen in the last five years? So that's all the leeway you get is five oh years. Gosh. So uh, so I know what one of your favorites is, but that's, five, that's more than five years ago. Yeah. Well, oh my God, I'd have to look this up. Um, best movie in the last five years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
You can give me two if you have to, but you know, come on, just something. I mean, really... I, I, you know, it's like you know, this question's a lot like um, when somebody asks you what your favorite beer is. It is okay. And what because, if I because, say a best? You know, okay. it doesn't have to be the. Well, okay, well, yeah. so you know that I am a fan of Wes Anderson. Yes. Okay. Yes, yeah. I've been in a couple of his movies, by the way. That's a lie. <laughs> Amazing. But um, Asteroid City, honestly, I did not expect to like that because yeah. I think you know. Uh, Wes has become his own trope in some ways. It's like yeah. he has like the style that it's like, and it's been co-opted a lot along along the lines of like Andy Warhol with the soup cans and all that stuff. Yeah. You see it everywhere and all that. So, but this, but Asteroid City was amazing, and I saw it in a theater. So did I in in Berkeley. Yeah, uh, at the Elmwood. Yeah, and it kind of blew my mind. So it did not blow mine. But it just came out on streaming. Yes. I actually was watching some of it again today, and I'm coming around. I mean, it's- a, But it's, I'm a slow learner. It's a crazy, it's like a movie within a movie yes. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, And it yeah. has like this whole like hook in it, and you got to like, you're kind of confused at first, and you're like, what's going on? Oh, I see what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it lands on you. But as, I mean, it other movies, have um, I'd have to think about that. That's okay. That, that when you turn enough. 40, you, sometimes your memory isn't very good. Okay, you don't have any tattoos, do you? No, I do not. If you were to get a tattoo today, <laughs> you don't get to think much about it. We're leaving after this, and you have to get a tattoo. Okay. What would it be? Oh, good Lord. <laughs> uh, what would it be? Oh, my God. I've never even thought about this, honestly. Um, I, you know, I, I appreciate tattoo culture. I think, you know, I have friends who got a tattoo. My son just got a tattoo. Oh, wow. He nice. Ferdinand. What'd he get? He got Ferdinand yeah. the Bull, which is like really cool on his forearm. Yeah, nice. Um, from the book, the children's book. Yeah. Uh, it looks great. That's you know? cool. Um, How old is your boy? He's doing great. I mean, he's 20 years old. He's, he's 20 six, now. Four. Okay. He's a huge Good dude. Lord. He's like junior. He's about to go to junior in UCLA. He's just a really, really phenomenal, ah, that's cool. solid person. I'm happy to hear that, yeah. Sully. Um, that's probably the only thing I've done really well in life. <laughs> Come and, on. And, and he, and he, and he, and you know, he had a huge part in that. So anyway, I'll stop gloating right <laughs> he's now. He's a People great have kid. probably like turn their radios off. I haven't seen him in years, but he's a great kid. He, he is. always is so polite. It's so nice. He is that way. So anyway, yeah. getting a tattoo, I don't even, I don't know what it would be. I never even like okay. sat in a Doesn't room. cross your mind. Yeah. I never think about it. I mean, Ryan was trying to get me to get a tattoo, but I don't even know what it'd be. I mean, what it would be. I mean, probably uh, a hop grenade then. That's my default answer for anybody yeah, who maybe can. Yeah, 21st, Nico has a 21st Amendment, like, uh, brew free or die, like, tattoo from an old, like, logo of ours. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which actually works on him, uh, w works in general, because it's, a, you know, call to arms, brew free or die. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I would get. I feel like a... That's all right. I feel like a schlep. That's okay. I, I, get, I would get a Counting Crows tattoo. <laughs> there you go. Mr. Jones. I'd get a Mr. Jones tattoo. All right, here's one I think you'll, you'll like. Okay. <laughs> what is a habit... That you picked up from your parents, good, bad, it can be any sort of life habit. It could be one parent, not both, you know. But something that you like. Oh man, uh, I got this from them. Okay, so a habit yeah. from one of my parents. Yeah. So I don't know if this is a habit, okay. but I have this extreme love of cooking. Okay. And I got it from my mom, mm -hmm. specifically from my mom watching her cook. Like she, I make some of her recipes still. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, you know, as far as a habit goes, like something that like, it sounds like that's not so 
maybe you're not proud of? Is that what you're no, saying? no? Actually, it could be yeah, like yeah. I, I have habits for my parents that I'm proud of, and ones that I'm not. Yeah, yeah. no, it could be either. Yeah, so yeah. that's fine. If you just love to cook, I, I call that. that yeah, fits. my mom has had a huge influence. I still have like um, I'm thinking about her every day. I mean, she passed away back in 2013, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I have like utensils that she gave me. Nice. I have yeah. a wok she gave me that I oh, use. Yeah. So it's kind of cool when you like you're cooking and you're using these, you know, these, um, you know, these utensils and you know, yeah, instruments, the, instruments that were hers. That was hers, or she gave gave them to you. Heck That's yeah. so cool. I totally agree with that. And I pass that along to like that legacy to Ryan. I hopefully. Okay. <laughs> I love this. I love this. It's getting sappy. I think you want me to get a little blue here. No, no, you not at all. About, no, no, no. You're, you're. My you're dad was great. a heroin addict. And, yeah, <laughs> and it's the one thing that I kind of took from him. Aside from brewing, what talent would you like to possess if you could? So presumably one you don't have. Yes. Yeah. I will tell you exactly what it is. Yeah. So what talent I would want to possess? I want to. I'd love to be able to fly an airplane. Oh yeah. I oh, you could a, make this happen. I, I don't know about my age, but uh, <laughs> I have a huge fat. I'm actually concerned about it too. I lost a friend of mine who's you know who's who I grew up with who uh, who like had a private plane and he he's, he was older and he he didn't make it you know so um, so the it, it actually scares the crap out of me because mm-hmm. those little light planes and I've been in light planes before mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. uh, but yeah I mean like the bill you know the ability to fly yeah like, that sounds like a lot of fun you know if I kind of take my like you know you know discomfort and concern away from it and like yeah i'd love to be a i would have i think when i was growing up i wanted to be an airline pilot okay i mean i love to fly i'm a geek about it i sit there and watch like airplanes at like the gate and the whole ballet of like yeah you know luggage comes on board they bring in the food you know the the, the you know the the gas truck comes up and you know refuels the, the plane the, the gas truck it's a gas truck it's a texaco <laughs> truck food fill. yeah so yeah. i get it yeah i love it yeah the whole dance like you said yeah it's just something about it. Okay. All right. Um, do you have any irrational superstitions? I do this thing at my house. It's not a superstition, but I'll tell you what it is right now. So you've heard of my house. It's the tree. The house. tree house. Yeah. I don't know if you've been there. Have you been there before? I've been there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of an indoor outdoor house. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, separate buildings and there's windows and doors are open. So what happens is that bugs get in there, mm. you know, like uh, mayflies, these big, they look like mosquitoes, but I think they're mayflies, mm-hmm. but they can't sting you. So I have this catch your release program with them. Okay. So I literally catch bugs and I just put them, I just like a moth Take flies in. I'm not going to, because if you kill them, first of all, if you look at it from this point of view, if you kill them, it's going to make a mess. You're right. You know, big bug blood blah, blah, blah. yeah um so what i do is i just catch them you know and right. like in a cup or they're on their wing or cup them and just release them yeah i think i'm a little bit closer to something when i do that so i do that with spiders only yeah and i'm terrified of spiders so it's a <laughs> it's a very difficult thing for me to do yeah. when i have to do it i usually get my girlfriend to do it to be honest <laughs> with you but it's because my uncle tony taught me that it's bad luck to kill spiders in the house he could kill every other bug, but, but it's superstitious. It's bad luck to kill spiders in the house. It's ingrained in you. It's just ingrained in me. Oof. And even though I'm terrified of them, I have to admit, let them out. So it's funny you should say that because in you know in breweries, you're not supposed to kill spiders because they catch the fruit flies because they have like the, mm. the webs and you're supposed to leave them alone and let them yeah, do their yeah. thing. So. Yeah. Uh, if you could retire completely wealthy, no more money to worry about tomorrow, yeah. where would you live? Um, well, 
I have thought stay about in the treehouse. You have thought about this. One, I okay. have thought about this. I well, first of all, it's a challenge to come up with one specific location because sure. I've done a fair amount of traveling, as you know, of the years. Yeah, yeah. And this past year, I basically put on. You know, I started. I went. Up, I went to Japan. I was in Copenhagen. I was in Iceland. I was in the Faroe Islands. Nice. I was in Germany. You know, so. I, I right now Copenhagen is like ah oh, I haven't been yet maybe not in the winter but it's like such a beautiful civil town so. okay yeah and it's a monocultural so I mean they're all like you kind of go there and you're like you know you're like uh, what's going on here <laughs> like a little bit <laughs> right but no I like that I also like Japan a lot I don't know okay. if I can live there but mm-hmm. so maybe right now I'd go I'd move to Copenhagen okay. You want to go? Let's go. I kind of i I would like you to show me Copenhagen. I got some friends there too. I've never been. Yeah, you would love it. It's beautiful. All right, one more. One more. Okay. And this one, I think you you might be able to handle. It, it, I guess it's a little <laughs> bit of a favorite, but um, it's food. Okay. Is there a is there a dish or or it could be a cuisine that you just couldn't live without? And I think about this when I travel, yeah. right? Like growing up in California, I need Mexican food in my life. <laughs> so when I go to Germany and these places I love, I really miss Mexican food. So is there a cuisine, you know, if you're going to yeah. move somewhere, you just can't live without? Well, it's interesting you should say that because, I mean, it's hard to nail it down. I mean, could sushi's up there for me, Mexican food's up there for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. But there's one particular dish. Okay, perfect. And so so I told you my dad, my, my mom was the one that I inherited or like took on the mantle of like co- being a cook. You know, I was almost, I almost was a cook. I almost got a job at Chez Panisse actually in Berkeley. Uh, That's a whole other story. Yeah. Uh, for another time. Yeah, yeah. But, so what happened was, but my dad has never given me that, like the cooking kind of like, you know, uh, touch, let's say. And so, but one time... He makes pasta puttanesca. Ah. And he taught me how to make pasta puttanesca. I think this might have been after my mom passed away. Mm. And I remember when I was with Ryan. He was a young boy at the time. And he would, uh, my dad would tell the story of like, where did the name pasta puttanesca come from? And he would say, he would say pasta puttanesca, it's the whore's pasta. <laughs> because supposedly, they would, there's a couple different stories on this in Italy, like, you know, at, at the, you know, at a whorehouse or whatever. Yeah. Um, that they would make pasta puttanesca and it would like the smells amazing. I mean, you have like you know chopped anchovies, yeah, garlic, yeah, you, yeah. Know, you know capers, red peppers. It's like uh, it's just amazing. It was advertising. It was, but also the other thing is that maybe it was like you're waiting. You need to eat, okay, while yeah. you're waiting for your turn, <laughs> right? Yeah. So pasta puttanesca can't live without it. I yeah. love this. I love this. I couldn't live without a good bolognese. My, also bolognese, from my family. Pizza, too. I mean, mm. it's like there's so many. You can't, like, nail it down. I know. There's a But bunch, if I had to, it would be pasta puttanesca. I mean, yeah. any Italian food. I love to make Italian food. I like it. I went for Italian food last night. Don't ask me where. It's near your house. <laughs> it was brilliant. Uh, I'll tell you after the show, and then I'll put it in the show notes or something. I think I know where it is. Uh, it was a little family place on, I think, right on Shattuck. Corso? Um, no, it's got a longer name. That's why I can't remember it. Oh, uh, it's a, it's a specifically Sicilian. Was there a little uh, uh, mini out car, a little car out there? Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah, the little yes. Fiat was out front. Agricole, I think, is the Agricole. Name of it. Yes. Oh, it was fantastic. Well, the, plus the vibe there is amazing. They, yes. they actually did a great job during the pandemic. They put the parklet out there. So that's where we ate was at the parklet. Yeah. We went there before the concert uh, yeah. and um, went there. Uh, Kate picked it out and we were just like, yeah, let's go. Just good Italian. 
Oh, it was unbelievable. Plus, they really turn on the charm there. They do. Oh, they definitely do. Yeah. It was, in fact, a little, you're like, okay, I get it. It's a little like, you know. Uh, but I know we like it. The guy's putting like a little of Italian, uh, Mr. Grosley, what are you wanting? Yes, and he's yeah, going to yeah. the back like, I don't know what this guy wants. He's, he's got a, I think he's got, is it a hop grenade or a, is it a, is an avocado? I don't know what it is. No, exactly. <laughs> Actually, we brought, Sam went with us last minute in all of his Dodger gear. And I think half the staff came out just to make fun fun of them which made the food taste better you know <laughs> so yeah it was pretty good, good old sam all right sully well that's what i got for you man that's i love that's this. your get to know sully at the end of the well, show there you go hopefully i yeah. uh you know i answered things as truthfully as i could and uh you did great it's one of my new favorite parts of the I like show it. uh i just I, I keep i keep adding to my list of questions as i go whenever i think of them and then you know i just try to feel out the interview and give them to whoever's here let me ask you this yeah uh, so have you run into a hiccup with that? Like um, asking questions and then people are like, uh, yes. Like, but, with me, like with me with the tattoo? No, yeah. <laughs> the tattoo one's been tough for everybody, yeah. actually. So yeah. yeah, I run into, but you just move on. You just go, all right, no worries, no worries. Let's just move yeah. on. The, certainly some guests are better than others. But in fairness, it's hard. I didn't give you those questions ahead of time. No, it's not like not. I said, hey, here's the get to no, know Sully question. dropped it on me. And I don't want to do that. So I, I sort of, I do all I, the only preface I give is, hey, if you're into it, at the end of the show, <laughs> I'm going to ask you random questions. That's it. I don't even think you did that yeah. with me. Yeah, no, I didn't. <laughs> but I know that you'll be fine. So yeah. I know you well enough. Well, yeah. I'm a professional radio DJ. Now you are. Yeah, shoot. <laughs> Your years of brewing network training is finally. I think you were probably part of that. You know? <laughs> it's finally paying off. It is. <laughs> Amazing. Well, Sully, thank you for being here and and for um, for being forthcoming and talking to us about the state of the industry. Uh, I think our listeners care about you and the 21st Amendment, to be honest with you. So I think it's cool for them to get an update. But I also think that our listeners who maybe don't know you uh, uh, are very interested in your take on things. So. Well, I appreciate it. You know, I, I think, um, you know, I've been doing this for a long time now and you sometimes don't think about that. You know, I started in this industry in 94 and of course opened the 2A. That project started in like 1998 and yeah. opened since 2000. So anyway, I feel like I have a certain perspective. Yes. But, I'd, but, my, but my perspective is positive. Yes. And I think that, you know, even though we're going through challenges right now, I think what David Walker says, it's our story to tell it's Mm -hmm. our beer to brew Mm -hmm. and you just have to make sure you're doing the best you can and that you're relevant and that you're running a you know a solid business yeah yeah and sometimes there's a and there's a lot of challenges that come along with that so sure it's all coming back folks it is uh, it will it is uh your perspective i think is is unique you you're a mentor of mine uh you know that so i've always cared about your outlook on things so it's good for me to hear what you think is happening too. we'll hug after this yeah of course we will yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> um Oh, wait, wrong song. Wrong closing song, Sully. <laughs> Mr. Try, Jones. Let's try this one. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't even sing it. I was so upset. I mean, he sang it, but he didn't sing it. You know. You know what I really wanted to hear that I didn't hear? My favorite is Mrs. Potter's Lullaby. That's my favorite, too. I have like, great memories of listening to that song when my mom was in the hospital. Tearjerker for me. 
tearjerker for me. Yeah. It's my dad just passed. Same thing. Yes. I reinvigorated that song into my life with my dad just passing. So, oh see, Sully, we have these same emotions. We probably see the same shrink. We don't we just don't exactly. know it. They're not allowed to tell, so we just Do don't know, you know it. Justin Richard. <laughs> what, who? Yeah. Well, he didn't play it though. In fairness, it's like an eight-minute song, so they probably never do it live. But I think I've heard him play it live. Before. Oh, you have? I might have to go to another show. You should go see Wilco. That's oh, coming up soon. Let's do that together. Yeah, I've got tickets to that. I'm down. Is that Greek also at the Greek? At the Greek. All right, let's do it. All right. All right, Sully, thank you for being here. Go to 21st-amendment.com. You can learn everything you need about the new releases. You can also just keep listening to the Brewing Network because I tell you all the time. Uh, but go to 21st-amendment.com and um, check it out. You can probably email Sean. It's like Sean at 21st-amendment or something. Yeah, you You'll send find me him. an email. Tell me what you think. Tell me if I'm, you know. If you got questions. If you want to look Tattoo you want to get. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All right. We got a few more shows coming up soon for you. A new brewery out of Canada is coming down all the way down to the studio. They're going to hang out with us. I'm working on getting Cellar Maker in here. I talked to Connor. Uh, going to come tell the story about buying uh, the Rare Barrel and doing their thing. That's so, right. I remember they did that. We got good stuff coming up for you here at uh, the Brewing Network. Plus, I'll be at the Great American Beer Festival soon. So say hi if you see me. All right, everybody. Thanks for doing what you do out there. Take care of yourselves and your beer. Yeah.